The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in Washington, and here's your top five at five. From Wall Street to the White House, everybody bracing for this morning's inflation data, which is likely to dictate the Fed and your money's next move. It's official. Twitter taking Elon Musk to court, filing suit to force him finish his $44 billion buyout. Hiring headwinds adding up, yet another tech giant saying it is throttling down on staff through year's end. We continue to watch the euro hover near parity with the U.S. dollar, what could mean for an already stretched eurozone, policymakers around the world, and later on, a multi-million dollar fall from grace, the latest on a once $10 billion hedge fund whose founders have now gone into hiding from creditors. It is Wednesday, July 13th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and as always, welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. I am Brian Sullivan. Let us kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money as we gear up for the release of that big June consumer inflation data. It is due out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Economists expecting the headline number to come in red hot once again at an 8.8% jump from last year. If it does, it would be the highest rise in inflation since 1981. It might be a little less bad if you back out food and energy, even though we all use those things. Their expectations are for a 5.7% jump year over year, a little down from the 6% number in what's called core inflation that we had in May. Now, ahead of all this, futures, they are flat to slightly higher. Now, don't expect much move ahead of that date of the market, waiting for that CPI number. Bonds, the same way. Yields, they're just under 3%, and basically exactly where they were three months ago. All in all, the bond market has been very quiet now for months after that shocking move to start the year where yields doubled. In the energy markets, crude oil is up a touch after yesterday's big drop where it fell Back below 100 bucks a barrel, some big inventory data sending oil lower. But keep in mind, there are many saying that there is a big disconnect between what you're seeing on the screen, that is the paper futures contracts, and what is ap- happening with actual oil markets that remain tight around the world. We'll talk more about that later on in the program. Natural gas, by the way, also on the rise, something that we will hit in a few more minutes coming up here on Worldwide Exchange. In the European and uh, Asian global equity markets, let's check the action overnight in Asia. We are seeing a mixed trade there with Japan up and some in mainland China down. But all of Europe is down across the board. A lot of red on the screen. The major markets there down just about 1%. It's not just us waiting on that inflation data. That CPI number could be a global market mover as well. All right, more on that in just a few minutes. But right now, let's get some of this morning's top corporate headlines and big money stories right here including more on a bizarre story from Wall Street yesterday involving a fake early release of today's inflation data. Bertha Coombs is here with that and more, Bertha. That was a weird one. 
Yeah, you always you think you've seen it all, right, Brian? Amazing. Good morning to you. Meantime, let's start with Twitter. It's suing Elon Musk to force the tech titan to commit to his bid to purchase the company from four, for $44 billion in its suit filed yesterday. Twitter accusing Musk of breaching the purchase agreement while causing its share price to tank. Musk filed with the SEC last week to withdraw from the purchase agreement, arguing that Twitter had violated uh, its share of the deal by refusing to turn over information about spam and uh, bot accounts. Since Musk agreed to buy the company for $54.20 a share in April, Twitter's share price has sunken nearly to $30 a share, just over. The Bureau of Labor Statistics doing some damage control over a forged press release circulating online that purported to show the June inflation data hours before the official numbers are released. In a statement, the BLS says it's aware of the fake CPI release making the rounds on Twitter. The official release remains on track for publication today at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. That fake document claimed that annual inflation in June had reached 10.2 percent, way higher than economists are forecasting. They are looking at an 8.8 percent jump. And the IMF is cutting its 2022 U.S. GDP growth forecast to 2.3 percent from 2.9 percent, saying that avoiding a recession is increasingly challenging. That's a quote. The IMF is also raising its unemployment rate estimates through 2025, warning that a broad-based surge in inflation poses systemic risks to both the U.S. and global economies. Brian? Yeah, and they wrote that report before the euro and the dollar hit parity as well, which is going to be a major shakeup. Let's see if they're behind the curve, Bertha. We'll find out, I guess, in time, right? Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. All right, so let's stick with that report from the IMF as we await today's report on June inflation. Bring in Vance Howard, CEO of Howard Capital Management. Vance, good to have you back on again. How key do you think that CPI data will be today? Uh, it's going to be pretty critical. And to, and to be quite honest, it's going to be pretty entertaining. I, I, you know, Who knows where it's going to land? I mean, everybody's just guessing at all this stuff anymore where the data is going to land. But the data has been so terrible. I mean, it's just, you know, like we're, we're like almost 65 percent in cash right now, 35 percent invest in the market. But uh, we're trying to find the least horrible investment we can make, which is, you know, even 65 percent in cash with inflation where it is is still eating away at our cash. But it's the it's the best of the worst, I guess. Well, let's find the upside. It's early. Why not? You're still 35 percent invested in the market. So, I mean, you're not 100 percent in cash. If you're 35% invested in the market, where is that 35% going? You know, we've got a lot of dividend-paying stocks. We've got a lot of value stocks. You know, we're not buying a lot of growth stocks at, at this point in time, even though I'm, I'm pretty much a growth investor. That's what I really, in, in, you know, like to trade in. That's where the, the action usually is. But, you know, you look at a lot of these big high-dividend-paying stocks, and these value stocks, they've held up reasonably well. Not good, but reasonably well. So, you know, take a look at those. I think those are going to do pretty well. There's a lot of great growth stocks, though, that are on our list to buy, like NVIDIA, AMD, you know, Salesforce. They all look wonderful, but they're just not there yet. Until the trend changes back up, Brian, you know, we'll just sit and be patient. And, you know, with us being 65% in cash, and we get a little 10 15% drop in the indexes, it's not going to hurt our feelings that much. But you're mentioning some names. You, you talked about NVIDIA. You talked about Salesforce. So these are these are big names. 
that were high flyers a few months ago that got absolutely just kneecapped. Sounds like you, you are finding some value home in those names and maybe some others. We, we do. I mean, there's great value here, but you don't want to fight the trend. And the trend is clearly down. You're clearly in a bear market. These stocks can clearly go lower. But you look at like NVIDIA, AMD, Salesforce, just to name those three right there. You know, their balance sheets are strong. They're making good money. It's just you're fighting an upward uh, trend here, which is going to be kind of brutal even for a great stock. But they're wonderful stocks. Are we going to be buying them when the market turns? We absolutely are. They're going to be some of the first things that we start putting our money in. But like look at NVIDIA, just the cash that they're holding is just is terrific. But but you know, trying to battle a bad market like this data that's going to come out at 830 today. Who knows where this market's going to go today? It's like riding a, a crazy, crazy bull. Huh, that's well said. I mean, if you don't know, we certainly don't know, Vance. I mean, that's that's kind of the point, although we I will say the bull has been a bear this year. I mean, the trend has certainly been down. Do you see the macro trend changing any time in the next couple of months? Or are we just going to have to take a Dramamine, hold our nose and ride it out? I think you're going to have to ride it out. I don't. I mean, ask yourself this thing, Brian. This morning, when you got up this morning, were you really excited to go buy a stock today? I, I, I'm not, and um, I don't think anybody else is either. But the trend's clearly down. Our proprietary indicator, the HCM byline, is negative. As long as it's negative, you know, we're just going to let the bad news come out and watch it and be entertained by it and sit on our hands and not do anything until the trend yeah. changes back up. It will change back up, and when it does, Brian, there's going to be a tremendous amount of money made. The cash that's building up on the sidelines right now is tremendous, and we, we look at cash build up a lot because that's the, that's the fuel that's going, to, that's going to push a new yep. bull market to new heights. But pretty excited about that. But on the short term, like today, I, you know, I'm not excited about too very much. You know, I, when you said when I got up this morning and I was thinking, you mean when I got up in the middle of the night, Vance, but I'll tell yes. you what, I am excited. I'll tell you why. Because I was here in 99 through 01. I was here in 2008. I was here in 2020. And in all those market downturns, those who had cash, those who put it to work, they came out well ahead. It may take a few years, but they ultimately did. Vance Howard, a pleasure. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Buy low. Sell high. Novel concept. I'm bullish on America. All right, on deck. We are talking about one of the most important stories for your money. That's King Dollar. Just how a rising dollar and a crashing euro might impact you. Plus, the European energy crisis hitting a fever pitch as markets now bracing for what some are calling the gas cliff. And whether Putin will turn back on one of his biggest pipelines to Germany, analysis you are not likely to see anywhere else. And then... 10 billion in assets, riding high, the hiding from creditors. Details on the now missing founders of the hedge fund and the billions they lost on some bad crypto bets. It's all coming up on Worldwide Exchange. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort what does it mean to be rich maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, 
Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. It is a big day here on CNBC because we are getting set to reveal America's top states for business this year. And this year's reveal comes amid a crippling worker shortage. For several years now, we've been talking about how there's a skills gap and how states that can help bridge that gap have an advantage. And this year, that gap is much wider. Scott Cohn has more. Tip at 20 degrees. With his pick of engineering jobs to choose from, heavily recruited Ohio State graduate Robert Yango took a job in Texas. Because I've been in Ohio my entire life, I decided that I wanted to explore and see other things. But now it's not just the engineers getting snapped up. BMW's 2022 Solid. These community college graduates in South Carolina all had guaranteed jobs with automaker BMW before they started school. The industry itself is growing so fast that there's not enough of us to to fill the industry. BMW has been partnering with community colleges here for a decade. Because of that. Now they've added a program in high school, building a worker pipeline. We continually need more of these people and the industry needs more throughout the world. The race to rebuild the American supply chain has escalated the war for workers, now expanding to manufacturing. There is a stark need for people who have the ability to work not only with their hands and then to troubleshoot that back across technology. The states that are winning, experts say, are taking the long view. They're thinking about ways that they can attract talent, but more importantly, they're looking at a long tail of how they can actually build their talent. With that in mind, we've added metrics this year looking at career education, community colleges, and industry-recognized skills. You can read all about that at topstates.cnbc.com. We'll reveal where I am a little later in Squawk Box. Scott Cohn, CNBC Business News, in America's top state for business. And what appears to be maybe a really well-manicured backyard or some kind of golf course. Our thanks to Scott for that. And as Scott mentioned, the big reveal is coming up at 8 a.m. Eastern time. What will be the top state for business this year? I actually don't know. So I'm going to watch it as well. Tune in. All right, still on deck. Some on-the-ground perspective. All ahead of today's inflation data, talking wages, food prices, and demand. One of South Carolina's most in-demand restaurateurs, Tommy Hall, Hall's Chop House in Charleston. Join us on what he's seeing and feeling right now. Stick around. Today's big number, 14.1%. That was the jump in rents on new leases this year through June, according to data from Apartment List. That's below last year's record, but still over five times the pre-pandemic pace. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's talk money. I mean, actual cash, because you need to be what's following what is happening in the currency markets. The euro is at a one-to-one level with the U.S. dollar, what they call parity. That is something that has not happened in 20 years. The euro is down about 12% this year against the dollar, with the European energy crisis also taking a toll on the currency. And this strong dollar and weak euro is going to have broad-based impacts globally. Let's talk more about it with Elsa Linos, Global Head of FX Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Elsa, welcome. I mean, this is a pretty seismic shift in the currency markets, is it not? Psychologically, it's a huge level. As you say, we haven't traded down at these levels since the very early days of the euro in the early 2000s. And I think for a lot of people, parity is just a huge technical, psychological level. From an economic perspective, the move in the euro hasn't been quite as big, um, but certainly it's eye-catching to everybody looking at euro-dollar in particular. You know, we like round numbers here in the media. So one-to-one, you know, 1.00000, whatever it is, also kind of gets the flashing headlines. But it's not the be-all, end-all. No difference between that and a couple of cents above or below. You think we're going to continue to trade down. I mean, this one-to-one mark sounds like it could just be a a toll booth on the way lower for the euro. Yeah, though it is interesting as we got very close to that level yesterday um, and as we saw it trade on certain exchanges, uh, we did actually see a lot of interest um, in on the bid side in euro dollar. Um, so there's certainly uh, a lot of people willing to pick up euros down there, whether it's people defending um, levels in the options market or people looking to pick up euros from a longer term perspective at what they think is a a cheap level from a valuation perspective. Um, But I do think that given the economic outlook, the cyclical outlook, and as you mentioned, the European energy outlook, um, there's certainly scope for euro to keep trading lower. The market is positioned short euro dollar already, um, but that's certainly no obstacle to seeing 98, 97, even something below that trade in, in mm. some extremes. Also, the world is priced in dollars, oil, so many other commodities. I got a note yesterday from a friend of mine who's a former Goldman Sachs partner. He basically said to me, and I'll summarize, don't underestimate the global impacts on everything, including sovereign debt from this move in the in the euro dollar. What kind of ripple impacts might we see? So it's the U.S. dollar strength that really matters. And as you said, you know, the world is priced in dollars. Commodities um, uh, tend to be priced in dollars. And it's the fact that we're seeing U.S. dollar strength coupled with some very aggressive rate rises from the Federal Reserve. You know, we haven't seen that um, for a very long time. These 75 beat moves and people even talking about the potential for 100. It's the fact that you're seeing that combination of a strong U.S. dollar, strong energy price inflation, food price inflation, and coupled with higher U.S. rates that's putting a lot of pressure, particularly on emerging markets. So what happens if we see a, a, a 90 cent 
euro, Elsa. I mean, what does that mean for, for Greece's debt, for eurozone debt, for, for the price of oil? I, you know, we talked to your colleagues who cover those markets. They'll bring this up as well. What, what is that going to mean to those markets? So the real challenge uh, the euro area has at the moment is figuring out how to raise interest rates in the face of what is relatively weak domestic demand, but also, as you mentioned, you know, some of the spread widening that we've seen in, in peripheral um, debt markets. At the moment, they've promised us that they're going to come up with this anti-fragmentation tool to announce at their meeting next week. Remains to be seen if they'll actually be ready um, to present it to the world at that meeting. But in, in the absence of yeah. that, it really the ECB in a very tricky situation. And I think that's part of the reason why, despite the 12% move lower in euro dollar, um, we still see some further room for euro dollar lower still. Wow, just 20 years and we could go even lower. What a move. Elsa Linos, RBC. Really appreciate it, Elsa. Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right, straight ahead here on WEX. Recession warnings, hiring headwinds, hitting one of the biggest names in Silicon Valley. The latest tech giant to take a break on adding jobs. And just a reminder, if you haven't already, be sure to follow our podcast, available on all the major podcasting platforms. Check it out. Dow Futures, mildly higher. We're awaiting that big CPI number at 830. We are back right after this. Bracing for the big CPI number set to impact Fed policy and your money. Futures slightly ahead of that inflation data. That report expected to show prices remain red hot, especially with things like food and energy. So how does a world-famous restaurant keep the doors open and the lights on? Restaurateur Tommy Hall is here to talk the challenges he is facing right now. And another tech giant pumping the brakes on hiring. It is all over growing concern about the American economy. It is Wednesday, July 13th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right. Welcome or welcome back, everybody. And good Wednesday morning. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. Here's how the markets and your money are looking. And don't expect a lot of movement right now because everybody is waiting on that CPI data coming out at 830. We are seeing futures. They are mildly higher. The Dow up about 96 points. The Nasdaq up about 55. All that, though, coming off another down day for stocks. And with the drops of the last two days, pretty much the stock market has given back nearly everything that it made in last week's big week. Eh, kind of been the year summed up right there, right? All this coming ahead of today's big inflation data as well. And bonds, they're not doing much. Right now, the 10-year Treasury yield just under 3%. And as we noted earlier, 10-year yields, despite that giant move at the beginning of the year, are back to where they were in late April. We actually haven't seen a real big move in rates in three months. Maybe kind of good to stabilize the mortgage market. Who knows? In the price of energy, that is on the move. And the price of oil moving down in a big way yesterday. Price of oil right now is up just a touch, but still below 100, where it fell below 100 yesterday. And in what we call a deep tease in television on the exchange at 1 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to walk through why these prices that you see here on that little board, they may not accurately reflect what is really going on with oil, the difference between contracts and the actual market. Tune into. Kelly's show for that. You get to see my smiling mug back at that. Plus, keeping an eye on shares of Twitter, the company unveiling it is lawsuit against Elon Musk, looking to force Musk to commit to his bid to buy the company for $44 billion. And its suit filed yesterday. Twitter accused Musk of breaching the contract while causing its share price 
to tank that legal battle, no doubt, just heating up. All right, now to some of this morning's top corporate headlines, including another major company scaling back on hiring. Bertha is back with that and more. Bertha. Hey, Brian. Alphabet, the latest, planning to slow hiring for the rest of this year. CEO Sundar Pichai revealing the move in an email to staff yesterday. In the message, Pichai cites growing worries around the economy, saying Alphabet, like all companies, is not immune to economic headwinds. In addition to scaling back hiring, Alphabet plans to consolidate investments through next year. A New York bankruptcy court has frozen the remaining assets of crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital as part of the firm's bankruptcy process. As part of the ruling, global advisory firm Tenio, which has been assigned to manage the liquidation, has also granted permission to subpoena three uh, has also been granted permission to subpoena Three Arrows co-founders as well as banks, crypto exchanges, and other firms that have done business with Three Arrows. There's been concern that the firm's leadership team might be siphoning funds ahead of the formal liquidation. And Apple has ended a consulting deal with former design chief Johnny Ive. According to the New York Times, Ive's contract had come up for renewal and both sides agreed not to extend it. Ive, who left Apple in 2019, was integral in design work on the company's candy-colored Mac computers. Remember those? And, of course, the iconic iPhone. Brian? Legendary designer uh, and famous for wearing that, that orange. There it is! The orange jacket! I was actually in that room <laughs> when that photograph was taken. They've got, a, they've got an elevator, Bertha, in the new Apple headquarters that spins as you go down it. So you kind of go down, but you also Wait, it twirl spins? slowly. Yeah, very, very slowly. Like Do it you goes down. Do you get dramamine when you get it, on? It's so, it's so slow, you barely notice it. But I was on the elevator with Ive, and I didn't want to bother him. What he was kind of a legend. I thought, this guy's hand is all over this twirling elevator. Twirling toward freedom. Bertha Coombs, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's spinning at one floor. It goes down like 20 feet, but it kind of turns. Anyway, enough about the turning elevator. Maybe the big market event of the week and maybe the month is the Consumer Price Index. The June CPI will roll out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern this morning. It's going to be very important to the Federal Reserve, and so it will be very important to you and your stocks. The main number, of course, came in red hot, with average annual inflation jumping 8.6%. Now, most expectations for June are also above an 8% jump, at 8.8%. But if that inflation data comes in even hotter, maybe something like 8.9 or over 9%, it could force the Fed to get even more aggressive on interest rates. With maybe a full 1% rate hike at its next meeting on July 27th, and that could send stocks lower. But if that CPI number comes in a little softer, maybe the low 8s or under 8%, it could show the markets that the Fed's actions are working, which means they may not have to be as aggressive. Either way, that CPI number is huge today. It is due at 8, 3 a.m. Eastern time. And let's get more now on what to expect with Sarah House, Wells Fargo, senior economist. Sarah, I'm really selling it. So tell me, tell me I'm being honest with the audience that this CPI number is a big deal. 
This is a huge print coming up. So both in terms of the expected increase that we're seeing inflation, but as you suggest, also in terms of what it means for the Fed's next step. So we're expecting that we'll see the headline increase 1.1%. So that would be the third out of the past four months that we've seen a 1% or higher headline. And it's going to push things up to a new fresh cycle high of 8.8%. Now, a lot of this might be dismissed as well, about half of it's coming from energy. And of course, we've seen prices head lower over the past few weeks. But I think we're also going to see another intense increase in the core. So roughly a half percentage point increase there. That's still consistent with over a 6% annualized pace of core inflation. So still seeing very strong inflation pressures just beyond the headline. Could, could, we, could we get a nine handle? Could it be over nine, Sarah? I think it certainly could be. So there are some areas where we've seen you know, still very intense demand for travel services. So we're expecting a noticeably more modest gain in things like airfares just after how much they've already risen over the past two months. But there's certainly a lot of momentum there that we've seen. I think a lot of forecasters are expecting some moderation in goods prices as we have seen demand in those areas cool and anecdotes of, of inventories beginning to pile up. But we haven't seen that quite as much in, in the data. And so I think that it's very possible with just a few a few shifts in, in just a couple components, you could potentially see a nine handle in, in today's print. But that, that's not our quite our base case, but still 8.8%. Not, not materially different, just more psychologically different, I think, if yeah. you get that nine handle. And, of course, this number is backward-looking. We get it. And, of course, there's going to be those who dither with the way that the, the number is actually made up, that it's not reflective of real life. I get all that. Let's try to find a little positive in that. And I'm looking at commodities every day. And, and a lot of commodities in the food, we're going to talk about food in just a second, but a lot of the food-based commodities, the grains, some of the metals, they've come down considerably in price at least their contracts, futures contracts have in the last couple of weeks. Are you seeing any kind of a rollover there, Sarah? Yeah, so I think importantly for what consumers are paying and what it means for the July CPI data is that we've seen gasoline prices come down roughly 5% since their their peak in mid-June. And so that's pointing to at least some of the reversal in, in the energy increase that we'll see in today's print. That's something that feeds through immediately to consumer prices and, and consumers' wallet. I think some of the pullback we've seen in um, in energy services uh, related to the natural gas prices, that takes a, a couple extra months to show up. So that's maybe some, more of a story for late summer in terms of the CPI data, and perhaps even a little bit longer when it comes to the pullback in agricultural prices. So there's a little bit longer of a lag between when those prices start to come down and when consumers feel relief at the grocery yeah. store. But importantly, they're moving the right direction. And, and the price of used cars is also start, still still elevated. You're probably still going to overpay, but at least that market has come down just a bit. Sarah House of Wells Fargo, really appreciate your views and insight. Thanks for getting up for us. We'll see you soon. Thank you. All right, let's stay right here and talk more about pricing pressure and turn to the latest CNBC Morning Consult poll on the impact that inflation is having on Americans making more than $100,000 per year. It finds this. 46% of those surveyed say they have had to cut household spending due to inflation, 38% saying they will cut spending if it gets worse. So if they do cut, what is likely to go first? Well, according to the respondents, 77% say they will cut restaurants and dining out, 69% cutting back on entertainment outside the home, which could also go to the first one, and 63% will cut travel and vacation spending, all this discretionary stuff. All these numbers, 
should be top of mind for your next guests. Welcome back. Tommy Hall, CEO of Hall Management Group. They run seven restaurants in South Carolina and a brand new eighth location in Nashville, Nash Vegas, still red hot. Tommy, it's great to have you back on. And listen, your restaurants, some of the best in America, high-end clientele. You're in that group that we just referenced. But right now, you are not seeing much of a slowdown, as I understand it. No, right now, we are not seeing a slowdown. We are, the volume is, is coming our way. Now, as restaurateurs, we always work so much, so hard on bringing guests to your restaurant. And we're blessed right now. They're coming in. Uh, and, but those numbers you just showed me are kind of scary. So how do you plan for this, Tommy? Obviously, business is great right now, but you're looking out. You're probably thinking, oh, I keep hearing all this talk about recession on CNBC. How do you manage through this? What do you do to plan? You know, you think about your budgets you did last year, last fall, getting ready for, for this whole year. Everything's out the window because everything is up. Costs of goods, you know, 3 or 4% up. Uh, labor up big time. So everything's out the window. The only thing I think you got to do is constantly change, you know, looking at weekly, looking at monthly, and then, then yeah, adjust. So we're looking at, you know, menu prices adjusting on the fly. Uh, just to, you know, we got to be competitive, though, with our competition, so we can't go too high. So we're watching it very carefully and uh, trying to put a great product on the table and then take care of guests like we always do. Well, and you, I don't think anybody does. Does I have, Every time I've been in your place, it's been packed. Everybody's got smiling faces, both the staff and the customer base. But obviously, you're in travel hotspots, Tommy. You're in Charleston, right? You got the new location in Nashville. I mean, this is people flying in for the weekend, their anniversary. They want to celebrate. Where do you see this going? Do you think in some ways you guys and others like you might be a little bit immune to a slowdown because you are such, in some cases, kind of a a special night kind of location? Yes, yeah, so our markets like Charleston, you know, number one, you saw that great award we got yesterday in Charleston, the best place to visit Condé Nast, Traveler, Leisure Magazine in the world. And uh, so airplanes are packed, you're right, they're coming in, and but they're planning their reservation for restaurants before they can get their hotels. So it's great to see they plan at weeks and weeks in advance. It's a special occasion restaurant. But now my markets where I'm in a little more of a bedroom community, I am seeing that weekday slowdown where they're saving up. Let's go out for that big Saturday night for the anniversary of Friday night. So we're not going out one or two or three nights a week uh, like they are downtown. But also you're right. Nashville, too, is a great market. We're very proud to be there. We opened up June mm-hmm. 1st. And it, you're right. It's, it's, I think it's a little immune. I mean, if those cities, people are coming. They want to come. They plan months yeah. out. And I don't think anything's going to shake them off right now. What are your suppliers telling you, Tommy? I mean, I've talked to other restaurateurs, and they're like, man, every time I get my beef order or whatever, my wine order, the price is different. And by different, they mean it's gone up. It has not gone down. Are you seeing any stabilization of prices from your suppliers? Not at all. And they're still using the same excuses, too. Gasoline prices are up. You know, just the cost of doing business, their labor's gone up. So they're they're definitely putting that on back on the restaurateurs. Uh, and and the, then we have to adjust, and unfortunately, it goes back to the consumer. So that's a, that's definitely a big problem. Do you push back on them and say, "Guys, I love you, right? You, you give us some of the best beef in America, but come on." Yeah, no, it's uh, you know we we try our best. You you look at the marketplace, you try to be competitive. There's other op- opportunities to buy uh, 
products from other people. So we're constantly looking at that and, and try to push back. But right now, you know, everybody's feeling it. We're all feeling at the pump, you know. And so there's, yeah. there's really no it's, – it's hard to see that, you know, uh, the silver lining there. But we're, we're, we all try and work at it every day. Well, you guys do a great job. Keep us informed on how things are going because you kind of are a benchmark for high-end dining as well as travel, Charleston, Nashville, et cetera. Tommy Hall, Hall's Chop House. Tommy, really appreciate your views. Thanks, Brian. Right, Charleston, I, they win these awards. What a, thank you very much. Spectacular city. If you haven't been there in a while, get back down there. It is truly a great place to visit. All right, coming up, the latest on what may be the biggest global economic story right now, and that is Europe's growing energy crisis. What happens? If Vladimir Putin decides not to turn on his big pipeline to Germany, we'll talk about what they're calling the gas cliff coming up. Welcome back. This is the story you have to pay attention to right now. It's a little obscure, but listen. Right now, the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, one of the biggest suppliers of natural gas to Germany, is shut down. It is turned off. It turned off the taps on Monday for 10 days of planned maintenance. But there are now growing worries that Gazprom may not reopen that pipeline as planned on July 22nd, that Putin could use the maintenance as cover for holding Germany and other parts of Europe further energy hostage. It's all companies coming as Germany races to fill its gas storage tanks ahead of winter, and it's what some are now calling the gas cliff and wondering what Putin and Gazprom will do. Let's talk more about this with... Eric Hyman, senior economist and energy expert at Deutsche Bank Research. Eric, thanks for joining us. July 22nd, next Friday. Everybody's got to circle that in a big red marker on their calendar, right? Because unless we get some advance notice from Gazprom that everything's going to be fine, that day is going to be a seminal day for Europe, I I assume. Yes, indeed. Good morning to America. We, we all do not know what will happen after this regular maintenance period. Um, so politics and industry associations and companies are probably p- preparing for, for the worst case that uh, there would be a complete shutoff of Russian gas. But at the moment, we, we do not know yet what will happen um, next week. Well, there's a couple scenarios as you and your team laid out in a note yesterday. By the way, a must read. So thank you. Number one. They turned the taps back on like they were. Now, that wasn't at 100 percent. It was still lower capacity, but they turn it on on Friday. Everything's back to where it was. They turn it on, but they don't turn on as much as they were. Or they simply say, oh, sorry, maintenance is taking longer. We're going to keep it off for a while. What happens in those three scenarios? Well, in the status quo ante um, scenario, we, we would come through the winter with, without a rationing. At the end of the winter, of course, it would, the, the storage capacities would be quite depleted, but um, we also assume a lower demand and more inflows from Netherlands and Norway. So in the status quo ante scenario, we would be more or less fine. Um, in the second scenario, with a, uh, in reduced deliveries from Russia, um, it very much depends on uh, how how high our re-exports to other countries are. So Germany has developed into a into a gas trading hub in European Union, and a large shares of our imports are flowing to other countries. And the question is how how big will be this uh, re-exports? So in the middle scenario, 
um, the late winter could be could be um, the, the most yeah, dangerous moment. And with a complete shutoff of Russian gas, uh, a rationing of, of, of gas for industrial clients uh, would be inevitable. Yeah. Um, depending on our exports, we would have to start quite early to ration gas. You know, we're, this show goes out around the world, goes out to Europe as well, Eric. But here in America, a lot of our viewers may be saying, all right, we know it's a big story. And we, we feel for the people of Europe, but why do we care? One of your competitors yesterday put out a note effectively saying that if the gas is not turned on next Friday and then kept off for a while, stock markets in Europe could tank. The euro could tank. We could have debt crisis type issues. I'm summarizing that report. I know you're not a stock strategist, Eric, but what might be the I'm sure you're talking about it with your teammates at Deutsche Bank. What might be the knock on effects of a full shutoff for a while. Yeah, so from a macroeconomic perspective, we wouldn't be able to avoid a recession in, in Germany and probably in other countries of, uh, of the Eurozone as well. So Germany has a specific situation that we have a higher share of manufacturing in total cross value added at roughly 20% compared to France with only 10%. And we still have a lot of energy intensive industries in Germany. So Germany is more affected or would be more affected by a complete shutdown. And from a structural point of view, of course, CPI would rise more than expected, uh, more than we expect now. Uh, so higher inflation rates, double-digit inflation rates would be uh, would be seen in in, in single months. And yeah. apart from the short-term economic impacts, this is also a structural issue for the for Germany as an industrial location because we are a country that where we have a vertically vertically integrated industrial value chain, so from basic chemicals, metal production up to yeah automotive, mechanical engineering, and so on. And uh, parts of this yeah. value chain... Is there, Eric, 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 let me just jump in for a second. I'm sorry, we're running out of time. Is there a chance that huge industrial companies in Germany could shut off, literally sh- close the factory doors if because of power costs and natural gas? Is that a, is that a possibility? That, that is a possibility, of course. And there are discussions about which plants could be, uh, where is the damage, where's the least damage when, if we had to ration gas? This discussion is going on, yes. Mm. Wow. Eric Kaiman, Deutsche Bank Research, a huge day. Next, next Friday, July 22nd. Eric, we appreciate your views. Thank you very much. Thank you. Circle that date, folks. All right, we're back right after this with John Najarian. Talk about what he's seeing in the options markets right now. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It is a big day ahead for the markets and your money. It's 7 a.m. Eastern time. We're going to latest look at mortgage applications at 8.30. You might have heard about it. Yeah, the big inflation data, the CPI, it's going to be huge. That's out, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Expected to show another nearly 9% jump from a year ago. It'll impact the Fed and might move the markets. And at 2 p.m., the Fed releases latest beige book. You've also got, of course, earnings set to roll out with Delta results out in the next hour. And CEO Ed Bastian speaking exclusively to CNBC about those numbers coming up at 7 a.m. Eastern time. What are they seeing at the airports? Is it getting any better? Ed Bastian, we'll talk about it coming up. All right, let's get more on the trading day ahead, the CPI number, and maybe a little bit about airlines like Delta. Joining us now is our friend John Najarian. He is co-founder of MarketRebellion.com and a CNBC contributor. John, great to have you back on. I mean, not only are you not, you fly a lot also, as I see on your gram feed, so you know the firsthand the trouble at the airports, but you're seeing some action in the air, airline stock options. What are you seeing, John? 
Yeah, you're right, Brian. Um, We've seen uh, a host of travel stocks, uh, airlines in particular. There were 25 airlines. Now there are really three. And, you know, that's why we're seeing mergers of some of the smaller remaining uh, uh, carriers. But uh, right now, Brian, we're seeing huge activity in Delta. Um, As you said, Ed Bastian coming on in just a few minutes or a little over an hour. Um, The July 30 calls, that's right at the money. People have been buying in there. Institutions have been buying in there with the stock at about $30 yesterday. And United Airlines, same story, uh, July 39 calls with that airline stock trading at about $38. Uh, I could throw out another, you know, American, of course, had those earnings and they've had strong activity. So um, there's a host of these airlines that people are betting, even though they might be cutting back, uh, forcibly cutting back on uh, adding capacity to Heathrow because of what's going on there, Brian, these airlines are banking some pretty big cash. Do you see a flip anytime soon, John? I mean, it's, it's so what you see with your own eyes. You've seen it. I've seen it. Our audience has seen it. I mean, the air, air, everything's packed. And yet these stocks have gotten beaten up like somebody else's rented mule. I mean, the disconnect can be shocking. What you see and what you see. Yeah, well, uh, there, there are a host of uh, reasons, of course. Some of those are, you know, we've all been talking about it. They've had trouble getting crews. I'm sure you've been um, occasionally, Brian, told that you've got to move a flight time or something like that because they couldn't get the crew to the airport. Um, And it's not just the people that fly the plane, the people that serve the people on the plane. Uh, it's, It's the maintenance and so forth. All of that's a challenge right now. And there's really, other than paying them more, uh, which they most of these airlines have already done. Uh, there's not a lot they can do uh, when they just don't have the skilled people to plug into these jobs yeah. right now. And then looking at your data, this is fascinating because Lordstown Motors got crushed. Rivian laid, laying people off. That stock got crushed. But you're seeing some bullish call buying in Lucid Motors, the, the $150,000 you know, top-end EV sedan. What are you seeing? Well... Um, In Lucid, they have been buying for weeks, um, and the stock has steadily been moving up. Now, it it did, I believe, a week ago move up 220. It pulled back. Now they're betting it goes back through 20 again. They're buying the end of July, the 29th of July, 21 strike calls. Um, That's the highest strike we've seen so far. Stock's $19, um, but those are pretty good-sized bets. So, Obviously, people want to travel. This would be a luxury way to travel, if you don't mind me plugging that one in, Brian. Again, plugging it in. But I I think uh, this is one that's a real competitor, albeit much smaller size than Tesla. I see that EV pun. And I got to tell you, John, I'm not shocked. Ah. See what I did there? Back at you, my friend. Back at you. Boom! As John Najarian may say. John and Jerry and Mark and Ryan. John, thank you very much. Watching Lucid, watching the airlines. Folks, you're watching Worldwide Exchange, but not until tomorrow. We'll see you in 23 hours. That big inflation data coming up at 8.30 Eastern time. Squawk Box, the gang, picking up all your coverage next. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. FedEx.